This is War Room Moments, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and most relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. War Room Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Hey, welcome to today's episode of War Room Moments. My name is Jason Miller. I'm your podcast host. And today I have Nicole uh, with us today. Welcome to the show and thanks for coming on, Nicole. Thank you, Jason. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, every episode you'll hear me say the same thing. I'm really horrible about introducing people. So introduce yourself to the audience and tell us what your superpower is. Absolutely. So my name is Nicole Sewell. I am a team dynamics whisperer and communications coach. My superpower is I see solutions where people see problems. What do I mean by that is that everything is a communication. Um, Unless you're, you know, Tom Hanks with Wilson on the deserted island, you're having a communication with animate objects and there is so much space within there for it to go upside down and really working with companies and individuals to realize the impact or the lack of impact of something they're trying to get across. So become an effective communicator, which as you and I touched on is oftentimes being, yes, a good listener, but know what you're listening for and how to make an appreciative inquiry, asking people questions to get yourselves to the same place. So yes, my superpower is helping people get the things they want done by effectively communicating to get there. Yeah. Well, I've talked a whole lot uh, over the last three or four weeks about um, generational communication, right? Mm-hmm. And how that's affecting the marketplace and all, not that we need to talk about that more, um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of burned out on that conversation, but, uh, but communicate effective communication in the business dynamic, right? Um, what are the trends you are seeing? What are the challenges CEOs are dealing with Um, not just at the C-suite level, but at the lower management level. So communication really is how effective a leader you are, right? Mm -hmm. And if we look back even a few decades ago, your title granted you a certain amount of power and gravitas to have things go your way. And it was for everybody underneath you to figure out what the heck the leader just said. That has really changed. And what we're seeing is that Companies that are really thriving are thriving because communication is working. That the C-level, but the even mid-management level, if you have anyone that you're leading, if you're really becoming a more effective leader because you're not only talking, you're listening. And so helping people to realize their message is only as effective as it is received, right? So we as individuals, and I'm sure you probably touched on this, was we communicate to others in a way that inherently makes sense to us. And in doing so, we take into account our intention, our feelings, our previous knowledge, our perspective. And then we give that to someone else without giving them that information, per se. And if they don't have the same pace, um, need for detail, or lack thereof, that you have, it could land wrong. And then we look at someone else and we say, wait, I base totally what you said on your words and maybe your facial expression. So companies are having a lot of 
um, let's just say growing pains of coming back together again, right? After two years of a lot more remote than in person, now companies are now going hybrid or coming back completely. It does seem like people forgot how to talk to one another back face-to-face and how to respect that. So it's the concept of taking the golden rule, Jason, which is treat someone else how you would like to be treated. Kind, well-intentioned, but flawed because that assumes the other person wants to be treated like you do. So we want to elevate that to treat the other person how they want to. Communicate to your employees, to your customers, to your higher-ups. So all throughout Um, all your work in the organization in a way in which they want to, and you will see outcomes soar. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when, when you talk about, or or you hear that treat others like you would want to be treated, right? We, we look at that like it's a good thing, but (laughs) in, in reality, I'm, I'm, or, or in today's environment, well, maybe not even today's environment, just any environment, right? You know, there's not a whole lot of truth in that, really, right. because, uh, and I mean, I find myself saying it all the time, God, just treat others like you'd want to be treated, right? Um, so it's like an old cliche, right? Well-intentioned, but flawed, <laughs> right? right? right. Yeah. Because that makes the assumption that someone wants to be treated like you. goes back to actually the human experience, right? Is everybody has a starring role in their life. So you treat others how you want to because you're constantly, your perspective's on you. Great leadership, great communication is based upon actually broadening your perspective to others. Yeah, for sure. I know personally, because I spent 23 years in the military, led thousands and thousands of people, and that's a whole different model. But, uh, but the one thing that always rang really true to connect communication with purpose, direction, and motivation. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you connected those things together and you gave people a reason to want to be a part of something that was bigger than themselves, right. Um, Then it was just about getting the message across. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the message across in a way that made sense to a whole melting pot of people. Right. So because the military is a very melting pot, right? And that in itself, communicating effectively in that environment is a challenge, right? Um, to like really, at the end of the day, it's like you're going to do this and just shut up, right? So it's a little different, little different environment um, uh, in the military environment sometimes, but uh, not that it's a good thing. I mean, I don't know if it's that way anymore, or maybe it isn't, but. Um, but I think we can couple uh, things together to make them make more sense for people um, in a way that really grasps their ethics, their their feelings, their all these things, right? And and then they have the buy-in because that's really what we're looking for at the end of the day, right? When we're able to communicate with people is a buy-in. Well, it's trust. You're creating trust, Mm -hmm. right? So in the military, different than many a company, right? You don't necessarily get to question, right? You're supposed to follow. Now, you hopefully have respect and trust in the person who's giving you the information or orders, let's say. But (laughs) in a 
company, especially in today's world, there's lots of opportunity. We want our best talent to stay, right? right? But we need to communicate in a way that gives them both respect and psychological safety. And they have to understand that you're living that as well, not just, you know, the five guideposts for our company are blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, that sounds really nice. They don't actually follow that. What we want to do is actually bring culture alive um, and actually live that. So I work with individuals and their teams to with really practical tools that I teach them so they can recognize themselves and recognize their audience. So you're only as effective as the message your audience walks away with. If I said A connects to B, connects to C, connects to D, okay, and the audience left with A to B and never got C to D, then I wasn't all that effective. So teaching people. And I say that to you, like for a point of example, I'm fast talking, fast moving, fast thinking, fast deciding, right? And you're laughing. But I recognize that and I like lots of information. I can go through really, really quickly. I learned that's not everyone's style, right? But, and we all kind of know that in a way, like some of us are this, some of us are that, processing speed, attention to detail, need for information, decision-making, how we deal with conflict, et cetera, et cetera. Um, What though, when we realize that and we act upon it are two different things. So it's really important to take the conversation out of the, you know, oh, let's have an interesting conversation and take it into practice. And that's the key is showing people that sometimes in my head, because I go really fast, I actually count inside to allow others. Sending people into a meeting, right? Giving them information ahead of time and then allowing pauses so that your non-assertive people can speak up as well. Because they're just because people are assertive and that's not a bad thing, I don't think at all. Um, but it doesn't mean you're getting a cross-section of your employees, your colleagues to give you feedback. You're getting the people who move fast, think fast, that are naturally confident. But you may have other people have plenty to contribute. And it's important as a leader, but also as a team member to be able to support and create an environment that is accurate to that, that allows people to participate in a meaningful way for better outcomes for the company. So you can have a genius at the top and you can have geniuses in all your positions. But if they don't know how to talk to each other in an effective way, you've lost probably 50% of the value. Yeah, Yeah. no, no doubt about it at all. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but go here because I want to know, I really want to know your opinion on it. And that is the effective communication that's currently happening in our work environment today amongst the generations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I can't help but ask because it's it's important. Um, and I think you can have a really good piece of insight on it. So if we look at the generations in the whole, they tend to prefer different types of communication. So we mm-hmm. can look at that, right? Whether um, written, on the phone, in person, by text, on an app, whatever it may be. Now, I always try to move away from generalizations and really focus into the person, but from a... But from looking at just intergenerational, it's actually the information that tends to come from younger generations tends to what we call fluid intelligence. It's more fact-based, more innovative, um, more dynamic and responsive to a question or issue. And as we move up the generations, we have more crystallized intelligence. And this is all out of a professor um, back at Harvard, who talks about how the older generations actually have a lot more emotional intelligence and perspective. And if they don't talk to each other, we're, we're losing kind of the platinum 
of them connecting, they're working in their silos. So it's so important to go in open, curious, right? Curious. Tell me what works for you. Ask people what works for you. And then try to honor what they tell you. So if you're a, an older generation talking to someone who's a millennial or younger, ask them and then honor that and vice versa. And you both will get so much more out of the value of the conversation. You'll both be better at your jobs, at your contributions. When we silo ourselves and just say, oh, they don't understand me, right? We, we write them off. Not only do the individuals not benefit from the interaction or the team itself, but the company's outcomes are not as good as they could be. The best companies out there are the ones that are with multi-generational employees and leadership and thriving from those places that they're learning. Yep. So this validates it because I've had probably just this little piece and segment conversation we just had right here. I have probably had at least 10 or 15 conversations around that on this podcast, and they are all the same. (laughs) So at some point, right, we got to look at that and say, it's not a trend. It's not (laughs) a... It's not a trend. It's not just something a few people are saying. It's it's dug in. It is what it is. If you're a business, you better adapt or you're dead. Yeah. Pretty much. And it's the same with who with your business, who your customers are, whether right. they're the general public of some sort or another business. They've got people at all different levels as well, right? We've got people at this point, first time in history of potentially five different generations working together, right? right? So, you know, it's not a trend and the companies that are thriving are the ones that are acting upon it, creating a culture in which supports diversity of style, diversity of communication, but also encourages cross-generational interactions and supports them with tools to do that. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I mean, even we have have a company that uh, we work with. I won't name the company, but, but... They're both uh, basically they're late boomers, right? CFO and president of the company. They're both they both own the company, fifty percent shareholders in the company. And it's like almost got to the point where they can't even communicate anymore because mm-hmm. you know they're both so stuck on. Mm-hmm. Either I'm right, or I can do it better, or this, that, or the other, and then they'll go weeks without talking to each other, and it affects the entire ecosystem all the way down. Um, and it it's it's almost like they need marriage counseling. <laughs> well, they're both making a lot of, I'm sure, hardened in their positions because they're making a lot of assumptions about the other sure. person. Right. Right. And their communication is broken down. So their ability to be open when they're having a conversation or an Mm. interaction is probably very limited. And so you need to actually break barriers by giving insights. Right. Like what's really going on for each one of them. And not 100 percent. You know, I don't try to be a Pollyanna, but I would say 90 percent of the time you can find common ground or common respect. Okay, I get why you see that differently than I do. I don't necessarily agree, but when I can respect why you see it differently, I actually have room for collaboration, for um, forward thinking that maybe takes into account both of our points of view. Right. And it's intuitive. I know my dad is the same way. 
My mm-hmm. dad is very much like that. He's he's 73. You know, it's like I have done that a million times and you're not going to tell me any different, right? Mm-hmm. There, there isn't a better way to do it. <laughs> right? oh. it's, that, it's that stuck in process mind that, uh, that it, it's almost impossible to communicate with it, right? But no one is always right, right? Because life is right. dynamic. So even if you are right in that moment, fast forward a bit, you won't continue to be right because something becomes more right, let's say, right? right? And so when we dig in, we actually limit ourselves and eventually we will be wrong. And I'm sure your dad would probably be out there being like, Nicole, but that's the truth, (laughs) right? right? Is that eventually we need to lean into the dynamic nature of life and that no matter how right we are in a moment or how wrong we are, it will continue to change. So those that are open-minded and curious, and I know I've said it several times, are the ones that actually benefit the most. Yeah, yeah. And do the for best sure. for their companies. Like that's where people should be hiring. Are open-minded, curious, obviously smart and capable. You know that goes without saying. Right. But open-minded and curious, they'll work the best with others. They'll continue to grow in their jobs, and they'll mm-hmm. be inspiring leaders to new employees. Right. I know. I've I've said this many times to many people, and that is like. I have a three-year-old and a going to be four and six and uh, that generation is going to be 20 times smarter than me. They're, (laughs) they're very intuitive. I mean, uh, my four-year-old knows functions on my iPhone that I don't, we didn't even knew were there. (laughs) (laughs) They're willing to experiment. I would say that generation, I have um, children as well. They're a bit older for sure. And they're more open-minded. They've grown up in a totally different dynamic. Um, They don't necessarily have to agree, but they don't have such strong opinions on things. They don't feel impact them. And so they're willing to explore. They're willing to experiment. They're willing to have conversations and what, all right, I don't have to be right. I don't have to agree with you, but I don't have to be right. Right. Very different place. Yeah. And that's a, that is an excellent takeaway right there. Okay. Is, <laughs> is uh, you know, you don't always have to be right and you don't always have to agree, but there is always a middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. There can always be a middle ground. And remember, should... life is not perfect. So we're not looking for perfect. Right. We're looking right. for good and keep improving upon that. Yeah. Well, you'd be really disappointed if you think there is. <laughs> be a very disappointing life for you, <laughs> for sure. Well, great. Well, hey, just just to kind of segue things into this is, you know, I like to talk about business struggles to create like, uh, you know, we're trying to create a war chest of mm-hmm. business struggles to help young, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs. So I often like to ask out of your 20 gallon bucket of, you know, business struggles, what's one thing you could pluck out of there and give some advice to a young CEO coming up into this world and say, look, this is a mistake. I'm not necessarily, I don't believe in mistakes. This is a lesson I learned. And this is how I overcame that struggle. I very much could point to the idea that you go in as an entrepreneur and you have something you want to offer the world and you have this idea of how you're going to do it. Be very open to what you get back. Look very closely for where that intersection is between what you're so passionate about, 
what you're so good at, right? Your superpower and what the market is interested in, what people want to pay you for and be open to pivoting in that. You know, many an entrepreneur, myself included, felt the pain of like, I am great at this. I want to offer this. This is a great idea. You'll all be better for this. And I have to be honest, about 15 clients through, I pivoted uh, what I was doing to better serve actually clients. And then they just kept coming in bucketfuls. So not getting stuck. Where you talked before about someone being stuck in their position with regards to communication. I'm really saying, don't get stuck in your position about what you're there, where your impact is. Be open for that intersection between those three things to keep moving a bit as the, or maybe a, a lot as you get feedback where you're most effective and then be the best at it. Be great at where you're most effective and get real excited about it. But don't get yourself stuck early on because entrepreneurship for sure, especially um, young entrepreneurship is a constantly moving target. Yes, it is. (laughs) It very much is. And, you know, well, you know, you're never going to do it all right. Right. But but the good thing I love about having forums like these, right, is that's a very powerful thing to give right there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that is an arrow somebody doesn't have to take. Right. If they And it's not, it's not failure um, right. or, it's, or, or, you know, that expression, I think it's very end now, right? Failing forward. Um, yeah. When you take right. what you've learned to pivot or adapt into something else, right? And so I want people, I learned from it. Um, it can be a little painful at moments, uh, but don't continue. I'm forgetting the right expression about it, but don't continue down a path just because you've committed to it if it's not the right path. So be open to hearing the feedback of where your your more right path could be. Right, yeah, for sure. I, I call it superpower, right? Mm-hmm. But you also need where people are willing to pay you, right? So where do you provide value and others? And for me, it's in companies' opinions. And I definitely, I've never been so busy. So I know that I provide a lot of, you know, value where I am. And that's not where I necessarily started. Right. And yeah, just because you think you have a superpower, that doesn't mean what it really is, right? Mm -hmm. You might have to experiment with that and figure it out Mm -hmm. for sure. So. Well, good. That that was a great piece of advice, and I hope uh, hope that they got it right. I hope it's stuck <laughs> stuck up in the head. Um, well, to kind of round things out here, Nicole, I like to end with this question: If you could pick someone that could have been here, dead or alive, uh, you know, mentor, friend, Gandhi, Jesus, whatever, um, whoever that would be, that you could ask that one question to that you always wanted to ask. What question would you ask and who would have you had on the show with us? So first comes to mind is I would ask one of these many people I love to listen and learn from, from Arthur Brooks to Adam Grant to Malcolm Gladwell to Daniel Pink, like really great thought leaders. But then Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, I would want my grandfather. My grandfather was an entrepreneur Um, from nothing. He and his three brothers became very, very successful in an industry that didn't welcome them initially. And as an entrepreneur myself, um, and a parent, um, asking him about, you know, how did you do it on the days where it looked bleak? And how did you pivot in times that were tough and keep the spirit going forward? Because yeah. I think that's the hardest thing as an entrepreneur. It can be isolating and lonely when things are not working out. It can be very heady and wonderful when they are. Right. 
Yeah, especially if you go back to those generations. That yes, right. They didn't have the opportunity at the time. That if he we were got. alive today, he'd be 111. So yeah. very different, right? Grew up in the Depression. Mm-hmm. And we have endless opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. You just have to go get it. Right. Um, and it's at our fingertips most of the times now, right? Yeah. We're, it just we're takes sustaining effort, right? And yeah, it's. Right. I love to listen to stories of people who... Um, have been very successful, like on, you know, how you built this or that kind of thing. And where people are always mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a magic moment. And all of them say it's not a magic moment. It's years and years and years of picking yourself back up, sometimes decades and decades of picking yourself back up and trying again and trying a bit differently. And, you know, they all have stories. And it's like the American um, obsession with like, oh, they were an overnight success. Nobody's an overnight success. Right. Yeah. There's very few home runs in a week. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. But that's, that's what makes the headlines. So yeah, we can all be, right. each, uh, you know, our own headlines as well as our, our little stories that keep us going along. Yeah, that's right. For sure. Well, well, Hey, Nicole, thank you for being here. How do people get in touch with you to work with your genius? Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Prepare yourself. I don't, this wasn't a genius move. So this is probably another thing. Name your website really simply. <laughs> Mine is actually, my business is called Sailors, like a sailor on the high seas, Sailors Sweet Life. Um, there's meaning to it. But real quick, I think everybody, both professionally and personally, can have a sweet life. But there's tricks and tips. And one of them is not getting stuck in how to move through when you feel that way. But it's sailorsweetlife.com. Um, you can email me anytime at info at sailorsweetlife.com. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook or um, Twitter or LinkedIn on all those things. And my full name is Nicole and Sewell is like being on the sea. S-E-A-W-E-L-L. Very good. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking your time today to be in the moment with this small period of, of my life. Um, that means something. Um, we all have the same amount of hours every week. And I appreciate you taking this hour to be with me. Well, thank you so much. And yes, time is our most precious and limited resource. We should use it well. It is for sure. Thanks again. Thank you, Jason. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you for attending today's episode of War Room Moments. Uh, Remember, dream it, believe it, and achieve it. My name is Jason Miller. I'm your podcast host, signing off. Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.